Yes, the time is now. This is the Kashmiri Hour right here on jrootradio.com. Hi, from Jroot Radio Studios in New York. Wow, what a terrible weather. Baruch Hashem, it's great to be here. Great to be in a nice warm building. And yes, the Kindleach is very nice weather if you're indoors, even when you're outdoors. If you're going away today or for Shabbos, the snow might stop at 8 o'clock. So far, it's showing that it's going to snow till uh, around 7.30. Um, and the weather report for tomorrow does look like it's going to be a nice day. A little bit of rain in the morning. And uh, yes, you're going to have a, a pretty nice Shabbos. Um, and uh, yeah. It's going to be a little bit on the colder side on uh, Sunday, but yeah, 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 mostly Sunday on Shabbos at 49 degrees. Um, anyways, right here on j Radio, we're in the warm building, and uh, need some any reporters today? Uh, no, no, I don't know. No, I don't know. Yes. You don't haven't. know reporters. Okay, no, if you want to be a reporter, let us know by calling in. And parents, you can email me at newkishrinihour at gmail.com. That's N-E-W-K-I-S-H-R-O-N-I-H-O-U-R at gmail.com. And if you want to sponsor or want to advertise, we have hundreds or maybe even thousands of listeners. Maybe even, well, I'm not going to say to go a little higher, hundreds of thousands. Um, we have many listeners and you know, your advertisement can be on the ear over here, which is going to be supporting our station. And besides that, you're going to be getting a lot of parnassah, uh, a lot of uh, business in your store. Anyways, no, no talent is rejected over here. No child refused. You can call 718-683-5858. Or text 347-927-8398. You can listen by uh, 712-432-421-7718-506-9099. Now, I asked a riddle last night. Last week, I should say. Um, The riddle was... Well, it's not really a riddle. It's a question. It's a partial question. What does the Pusik mean, Lidrush? Rivka went to Lidrush to ask, what did she, what did the Pusik mean about that? Number one, answer number one, she was concerned about what's going to be the end when, uh, about her birth, about when she's giving a baby. Number two, she davened, she davened very hard that it should go very well. So, Kendallach, yes, as I was saying last week, davening does a lot, a lot of things for, uh, us. Even when we don't feel that Hashem is listening. But yet Hashem always listens, as I said last week. Anyways, this week's uh, riddle, uh, this week's question, actually, is why did Hashem say to Lavan, Toiv Ora? Hashem said to Lavan, don't say good or bad. Why is that Hashem said that? What what does it mean when Hashem said that? It has a deeper meaning than Toivorah, you know? Every Pasuk, every every 
Taich, everything, everything that Hashem puts in the Chumash, Kindlech. Everything Hashem puts in the 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 Taita, the Chumash, the Gemara, everything that's in there is not extra. It's not an extra word. We have to we have to learn the reason why. Anyways, the answer will be given in the next time I come. Unfortunately, I will not be in next week, but yeah, you can tune in to next week's show because we're going to have a rewind, and hopefully it's going to be rewind with me with uh, Meyer Licht. I'm going to try for that one. Or Rabbi Yosef Rippler. Anyways, so if you know the answer, just text it into 347-927-8398. You can get a prize if you get the right answer it's gonna be a raffle so you may win the raffle and you may not and i have the text right in front of me so i can see your answer and if you give the right answer you will be in a drawing and next week i will as hashem announce the winner if there's anybody that texted in anyways mazel tov to the Adlers on Kiwi's Bar Mitzvah. Kiwi was a wonderful uh, Bar Mitzvah Kiddush, and uh, we thank you uh, for your inspiring leaning, and um, that's very nice to, that you leaned very beautifully. Anyways, if you want to... If you want a Mazel Tov announced here, you can email me at Nukishreni Hour, or text it in right now, because... Once I leave, that's it. Uh, we're not going to read the text. So you can send it in to 347-927-8398 or you can email me at nukishroinyhour at gmail.com and just write on the topic, the subject that you want to announce a, um, a Mazel Tov or a, uh, or a uh, Mazel Tov, yeah, and... Uh, or even any, a congratulations. Any anything that you want to just, you know what, anything you want to, to share with us, this is what will be uh, welcome more than. This is your hours, kids. This is really you, you know, causing and see what is going on. All right. Okay. We're good to go, Nisim? We are waiting for you. All right, great. So, anyways, we don't have uh, June reporters and we are waiting. Um, Bez Hashem, in the near future, we are going to have exciting uh, programs coming up. We have good storytellers coming. We do have, uh, I believe, people who wrote books, authors. And you can spread the word about JRU Radio. That would be excellent. And uh, please be misspelled for Alexander Zisha Ben Eliza. And if you have a name that you want to be uh, davening for... You can uh, text uh, 347-927-8398 and I'm going to read the text. Or you can uh, just uh, email me and I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, read the text on the email. Anyways. Uh, tonight's topic. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, before, just before we go to, you know, let's do one thing. Uh, I want to say before uh, we're talking, we, I want to talk a little bit about the, about the Naki radio. You know, Naki radio, 
Go yeah, Nisim, you know what? We've been here already a few weeks, and you know, it's time to do this again. The Naki Radio, the radio that you see on video right now, is uh, one of the best radios around. It's actually very interesting. I got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of people saying it's an excellent radio. So yes, go buy the radio and you can text in 347-927-8398 for more info and Neeson will be gladly uh will gladly reply and uh and by the way, the money does not go to JB Radio. It's for the, we're doing this as a uh uh it's basically what we we needed to you know promote we're advertising with, something uh, that was needed in the Jewish community in our community anyways yeah Nisim, you want to say anything else no I just want to say that this is a be- the, the best present or the perfect present for Hanukkah mm-hmm. and you you are just uh, you know you know this that uh, it's unbelievable uh, you know things you saw it you saw it. Oh, it's working. All right. Okay. 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 So you, it's, yeah. it's you. It's yours now. Okay, kids, it's your hour. So yes, you can text in right now, 347-927-8398. A mazel tov, a, a, a good Shabbos wish even. Because I will be reading good Shabbos wishes in the future. And yes, and if you want to advertise, as I said before, you can... Text three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight, or you can uh, actually even email me, and I'm going to get back to you. You can email me at newkishroniahour n e w k i s h r o n i h o u r at gmail dot com, and I will get back to you. And if you want to sponsor Zechenishmas, you want to sponsor some Mazeltov, or you want to sponsor on anything, you can email me at this email address, newkishroniahour at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to uh, to uh, sponsor. And uh, yes, uh, we got Baruch Hashem, many listeners, and yeah. And now we're going to begin. We are going to say stories about Tanaim, and you know, Kindleach, it's very interesting. You know, what do we know about our Tanayim? Uh, just that they wrote the Mishnah, or just that they're in the Mishnah? What do we know? What, what, what could we, you know, what else do we know? What stories do we know? Well, it's actually very interesting. This story happened a long time ago. The Tadik Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania was walking down a road. He's going to a certain city that he never went before. As Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania was walking, he saw a split in the road. He didn't know what to do, you know? See, Tzadikim also, and uh, you think, we're the only ones who don't think know what to do. Sometimes a Tzadik doesn't know what to do, so what does a Tzadik do when he uh, he comes to a split and doesn't know what to do? Well, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania did not know which road to continue. One road was very nice and smooth, but the other road was very bumpy and full of rocks. Well, Rabbi Yeshua and Bechanania did not know which road led to the city. So Rabbi Yeshua Bechanania asked a little boy who was sitting on a stone right where the road split. The little boy answered, Both roads go to the city. So both roads go to the city, huh? Interesting. So two roads can lead to the same place. Rabbi Shua Bechanania then asked, so what's the difference between the two roads? This road, if they're both leading to the city, what's the difference? What, what the difference does it make of which road I go to? Oh, the boy answered, 
This road is simply pointing to the smooth road is short and long. The other road is long and short. Rabbi Yeshua Bachanania thought that little boy was joking around and having a fun time because what he said did not make any sense at all. And if I'm saying the story wrong and you think uh, the stories that said differently could be so, but I got this from somewhere that's uh, a, um, a, a Jewish place. So yeah. Anyways, these roads are both long and short, so they are really the same, he thought to himself. Just the smooth road is very nice, and the rocky road is not so nice. So, I might as well travel on the nice, smooth road. And off he went. On the smooth road. Rabbi Shuba Hananiah continued on his way onto a smooth road. After traveling for a short distance, Rabbi Shuba Hananiah reached the end of the road. The road did not lead to his destination, but there was a big wall and then a field. After the field, there was another wall. Then there was a whole bunch of rocks, even more rocks than they were on the bumpy road. After that, there was another field by, followed by a big fence. Oh, only Rabbi Yeshua about Hananiah would climb all of the fences and walls and cross over all the fields. Would he reach his destination? Oy vey, Rabbi Yeshua about Hananiah thought. I cannot climb over these fences and walls. That would take too long. Now I understand what the little boy meant. This road is short because it gets you so far in a short time. But to actually reach the city, it's going to take a long time. Maybe the other road, even though it's bumpy, doesn't have all these walls and fences in the way. That would make it long and short. So, Rabbi Shuma Hanani went back to the forked road and asked the boy who was still there, What happens if you go on the bumpy road? Well, the boy answered, I tell you, it's the long, short road. The road is really longer, but since you don't need to climb all those walls and fences, it's shorter. So it's a long, short road. Rabbi Shuba Hanani smiled and gave the boy a bracha. I'm so proud of you. You learned Torah so well that not only are you well versed in the Pesach, but even your talking was affected by it. And then Rabbi Yeshua Hanania went on his way. Anyways, another story of Rabbi Yeshua Hanania. Uh, Rabbi Yeshua Hanania was very honored and loved by every Yid. He was even invited to the Caesar's palace. The Caesar was a king. And he was, uh, he gave the wisdom, his wisdom over to the Caesar. Each king at that time was called a Kaiser. In Gemara language, called uh, Kaiser. Yeah, what was it called in Gemara language? Caesar. Nisim. Caesar in Gemara language. Caesar and Kaiser. Kaiser. Okay, Kaiser. good. I got that right. Well, so besides his wisdom, Rabbi Yeshua Bachananya was often. The object of making fun of by those who didn't know him, he was hunchbacked, he was crippled. But even for those who were disgusted by his appearance, once he began to speak, they were amazed. So sometimes somebody can look really disgusting, really gross. Sometimes a person uh, could uh, even, you know, sometimes even saying something. And even though you don't even mean it. So, you know, but words mean a lot. The Roman Caesar had a beautiful young daughter who was very concited, meaning she was very spoiled. She always wanted more because, of course, she was uh, got whatever she wanted. So that is the exact reason why she was spoiled. Also, she used to abuse her servants. 
and was very accustomed to treating important guests through her. Father's palace in the same manner. Anyway, one day she entered the hall where her fathers and some people, Chasheva people, and Rabbi Yeshua were debating. She watched in amazement at the honor accorded to Rabbi Yeshua. Arrogantly, she called out, Such glorious wisdom in such a disgusting vessel! Rabbi Yeshua, who was not surprised by her words, answered in a joking manner, Tell me, please, in what kind of a container does your father keep his wine? Not an earthenware kalim? Uh, Not an earthenware vessel? The teacher's daughter was undoubtedly beautiful, but she wasn't very bright. She didn't understand what Rabbi Yeshua was hinting and answered, What else should be the wine, Captain? Well, Rabbi Yeshua said, Everyone keeps their wine in a clay. So, if you are so important, shouldn't your wine be kept in a nice gold silver kelly? In a nice vessel? Rabbi Shua was certain the foolish girl would understand he was joking, but the girl, in all her husbandness, assumed she understood the rabbi's point and decided to do the, do the thing. She convinced the Caesar, she convinced the father that the wine shouldn't be kept in ordinary vessels, and against his better judgment, he ordered the servants to transfer the wine to gold and silver urns. Well, at first no one noticed a change in the wine, but after a while, uh-oh, the wine spoiled. The servants who were in charge of the wine approached the Caesar. Our master, all the wine became vinegar. The whole time that it was stored in clay, there was never such a problem. Now Caesar was very annoyed, very angry, that his good wine was ruined. But he was more upset about the fact that he listened to his daughter. He called her and asked where she got this idea. Who? She answered. Mario Shua! You all think he's so smart? He said we shouldn't store the wine in such simple containers. The Caesar contemplated. Didn't the wise Rabbi Shua know what would happen to wine in such containers? Maybe he was trying to hurt the king? But didn't he know he'd be punished? The Caesar called Rabbi Shua and said, Why did you advise my daughter to put the wine in the gold-silver vessels? Just as he spoke to me, I spoke to her, Rabbi Shua said. She told me it was a pity that such nice Kalim, such beautiful Kalim, was in such an ugly vessel. I answered her that good wine, even that belonging to the king, is kept in a simple vessel. How was I to know that she wouldn't understand the simple meaning of my words? The Caesar understood that he had been foolish to listen to his daughter, but he didn't want to admit that his daughter had been wrong. He thought since that surely there are wise people who are also attractive. Rabbi Yeshua answered, if they weren't attractive, they would be even wiser. They would use all their energy and time for study and increasing their wisdom. Some who are attractive become coincided with their beauty. They could become like arrogant with their beauty. And they never become wise. The Caesar wasn't uh, dumb. He understood what Rabbi Yeshua was saying about his story. He decided it was better not to discuss the matter anymore. And he told Rabbi Yeshua goodbye. And that's the end of Rabbi Yeshua Ben. Hanania, Rabbi Yeshua Ba'chanania, as I said, he was a big, big Tamachacham. I believe living in the time of Rabbi Gamliel. And uh, also Rabbi Elezer Ben Hagenus. Anyways, not further ado, a story about Rabbi Elezer Ben Hagenus. Not far from Yushalayim, there lived a very, very, very rich man. 
one of the richest people of his time by the name of Harkonnes. Now, this person, Harkonnes, he had a huge field, and he had a whole bunch of kids. And one of them was called Eliezer. Eliezer was not thought to be a scholar. You know, he wasn't uh, He wasn't uh, able to understand things. He was brought up to the land, as were his brothers. He spent most of his time farming, being a shepherd, and doing similar farm jobs. But Eliezer was very depressed, very sad. He felt he wanted to go to Yushalayim, where the great Torah academies, where the great Torah schools were, and scholars were to be found. He often thought to himself about Hashem and his wisdom and managing the world. He used to walk about in deep thought, as if in a dream. So, Kindalach, a dream, if you are dreaming about something, and you really want it to happen, you, Kindalach, can make it happen. You can go on your dream, and it's never too late, as I'm going to say over here, that Rabbi Elizabeth and Harkonnes, even Rabbi Akiva, they start, Rabbi Akiva started at the age of 40, I believe. He started learning at the age of 40. So, Kindalach, even if you feel that you failed tests, even if you feel that you uh, are a failure in life, but you're not. Hashem does not think so, and you shouldn't think so as well. You should think of yourself as a bright kid, um, and try as hard as you can, and one day you'll see you're going to succeed, because Hashem helps those who try. Anyways, back to my story with Eliezer and Harkonos. He was walking around in deep thought as in a dream, and his father and brother considered him to be a lazy, good-for-nothing. They therefore took a dislike. They didn't like him and gave him the hardest jobs, which is very mean. And imagine, imagine your brother's giving you a job that's almost impossible. Let's say lifting up a garbage can, and let's say you're five years old, and you're lifting up a garbage, a whole garbage bag. You know, five-year-old would be able to do that? I don't think so, but this is what happened to Rebbe Elizabeth Harkinus. The brothers once went to the valley to plow, where the earth was soft, while sending Eliezer to a hill to plow, where the ground was very hard and stony. And Kindalach, when we plow on a mountain, it's not the best place to plow. Hardly anything can be plowed there, because it's the stones, the rocks, so many stuff in that ground. And there's a lot of stuff that you can't necessarily plow with all uh, that stones and rocks. It's very hard. Eliezer tried his best to try his best, and he plowed smoothly, but the animals fell on a stone, fell and broke his foot. Well, Eliezer decided to take advantage of the situation. And once and for all, he left his home and go to study Torah. The brothers discovered that Eliezer disappeared. They ran quickly and told their father, Father! Daddy! Appa! Eliezer ran away! He's not here! He disappeared! Harkonnes was very scared. What do you mean he disappeared? What do you mean by that? He's not in the field, the kids said. What do you mean he's not in the field? Of course he's in the field! Where else should he be? Hey, he has to be in the field! I'm telling you! And one of the brothers somehow said, Um, Daddy, I heard 
I heard that, you know, he was planning to run away. He's planning to go to Yushalayim. What? Harkonnen said. He's planning to go to Yushalayim? I'm not going to own anything, Tim. He doesn't own anything. And Harkonnen said this out of anger. He was so angry. He told, he said out loud, I don't care. I don't own him. And fine. Oh, well. Eliezer finally arrived in Shalim and went to his great, went to the great yeshiva of Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai saw before him a young man over 20 years old, thin and pale, and a desire, such a big desire to learn with a cheshek, with a bren. Such a big desire. He soon noticed that Eliezer was a very talented person. And he accepted him into yeshiva. Eliezer started learning with his whole heart and neshama. Each day saw him rising higher and higher. He suffered from hunger. He ate sometimes pebbles. Now, Kindalach, eating pebbles does not make you unhungry, but it does make your body, you know, complain. But Eliezer Ben Harkonnes, Rabbi Eliezer Ben Harkonnes, just continued on. Just continued. Didn't tell anybody. Nothing. He didn't tell anybody about he's hungry. He didn't complain that he's hungry. He just studied Torah. He just learned Torah. He didn't tell anybody he was thirsty. Whatever he found, he was happy with. One morning, Harkonnes arrived in Shalim. Oh well. He came to Rabbi Yochanan Pazake's yeshiva. And he wished to obtain the great rabbi's consent to his plan not to give Eliezer part of his inheritance. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai discovered that his pupil, that his student Eliezer was Harkonnes' son. He did not tell Harkonnes anything, but just invited all the great scholars and prominent people of Islam. Harkonnes was among them to come into Beit, come into the Beit Hamedrash. When all the people were assembled, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said. I now call upon my esteemed Talmud, Rabbi Eliezer. And Rabbi Eliezer, please come up and say Yadavar Taira. And of course, Rabbi Eliezer came and it was a very good speech. Very good Devar Taira. Everyone was uh, there was so amazed. And the sparks of fire seemed to shoot forth from Rabbi Eliezer's mouth. Harkonnes was more astonished than anyone else. He didn't know whether he was dreaming or if it was really his own son. You know, Kindalach, he didn't even know that it's his son. He thought, you know, oh, wow, it's such a nice Talmud. Uh, who's Rabbi Eliezer? You know, he didn't know at first that's Rabbi Eliezer, that's uh, his son. He, he thought Rabbi Eliezer is, you know, it's just Tom, Rabbi Eliezer, big Tom But he found out afterwards. He found out afterwards that this was his son? He went over to Rabbi Yochanan Bazakai. I, I feel so bad, Rabbi. I came to Shalim with the intention of making my son Eliezer not have anything. Not have nothing of my portion. Nothing of my richness. But now I decided I'm giving him everything. Including the portions his brother were to receive. 
Eliezer absolutely refused to take anything more than what was his. Now, Rabbi Eliezer became very famous later on in life. He was called the Nasi. The Nasi, well, he wasn't the Nasi, but he became very famous. The Nasi of Shimon Begamil took him as a son-in-law. Now, his the funny thing is, his Shimon Begamil's daughter's name was Ima Shalom, a mother of peace. This is what I read in the Sefer, and I believe that this is the daughter of. Rav Shimon ben Gamliel the Nasi in that generation. When Yerushalayim was attacked before the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash and Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai managed to leave the city in a strange manner, pretending to be dead, Rav Lezer was one of the disciples who carried the coffin. So, Kindleuch, now you know one of the people who was carrying Rav Yochanan ben Zakkai out of the city to meet this Roman general Titus, to meet him, was Rabbi Eliezer ben Harkonnes. So now you know when somebody asks you who was one of the people who carried the Aaron where Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh was laying to go out of the city, you're going to be able to answer him, Rabbi Eliezer ben Harkonnes. Rabbi Eliezer ben Harkonnes had a lot of memory. He had very good memory. He didn't forget a single word that he learned. So, Kindleuch, imagine that. Wow. Not forgetting a word you learned. But that's because he tried. Had he not tried, he wouldn't even be able to learn. But he tried. He tried very hard. And look where he got. He got to know the Torah. And he had such a great memory after that because he tried so hard. And Hashem made him have a siyata jishmaya that he's able to continue learning. And he he won't forget anything because he tried so hard. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai compared him to a cemented pit. Where one to drop his water, now one water is lost. If you have a pit that's cement, all cemented up, nothing can escape. Like let's say you had all the gutters, all the sidewalks, all the gutters, without any holes and all cemented, where would the water go? Nowhere, it would be one big puddle. So, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh was saying about him, if all the scholars of Yeris Yisrael were to be placed on one side, and you put Rabbi Elezer ben Harkonnes on the other side, he's going to weigh them all down. And, believe it or not, Rabbi Elezer ben Harkonnes established a yeshiva in Lud, which became famous for the great, for the great students who studied there. Now, many of the wisest things of Rabbi Elezer spoke to his uh, students, and one of them was, you have to repent. You have to do tshuva before dying. One day before dying. And the students acquired. They asked him. They asked him. What do you mean by that, Rebbe? What do you mean? What do you mean that you're going to. That we should do tshuva before we die? Do we. I, we don't even know when we're going to die. Ah. Rebbe Luza. Rebbe Elizabeth Harkness answered. You don't know when he's uh, you're gonna die, so then you have to do everyday tshuva. Now, this next story, the next story, the next story, Rabbi Elazar ben Harkonos 
Revelation Harkness recounts a uh, is a famous incident that happened to him during the debate of a of a of a big uh, zach. It was it happened. It's called the story of Tanor Shel Akanai, the oven of Akanai, the oven that was declared tummy. Rabbi Elizabeth Harkonnes declared an oven tummy, but most of the Rabbanim declared it. Most of the Rabbanim declared it tummy, while Rabbi Elizabeth Harkonnes, I'm sorry, Rabbi Elizabeth Harkonnes was uh. The Tanoshal Akinai, oven of the Akinai, or oven of the snake. Akinai means snake, not oven of tummy. I made a mistake. Apologize. Rabbi Elizabeth Harkness declared the oven clean. He declared it Tahar, while the, the Rabbanim all said, It's tummy. Now, Kindalach, going against the majority of Rabbanim in those days, you know, you weren't able to, but. And sometimes in learning, you're able to. Well, Rabbi Lazar was certain he was right and said, if the halacha agrees with me, let this tree prove it. Let the tree prove it. And amazingly, the tree uprooted itself, it came up from the ground and moved 800 feet. The Rabbanim seemed unfazed, told him, sorry. No proof can be bought from a tree. Oh well. Fine. No problem. Rabbi Elezer then said, Okay, if the halacha is like me, if the halacha is like me, let the stream of water prove it. Now, Kendallach, how could water prove it? How could stream prove that he's right? Well, the river switched its courses and it flowed backwards. So imagine you're by a river and you're trying, and we're trying to prove that uh, that uh, Zevi's right. And Zevi says, "If I'm right, let the waters prove it. Let the ocean prove it." And also, the ocean goes uh, all into the middle, or something like that, or the rivers go. On the other side. So think about it. Instead of going down, the rivers were going up. Now, rivers going up is a very interesting thing because rivers usually go down. So, fine. Again, the Rabbanim told him, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, Rabbi Yeshua. But you can't prove a thing from a water. You can't prove a thing from water. And Rabbi Elezer continued, Well, if the Allah agrees with me, let the walls of the hall of the study of this base measures prove it. And soon as the words were out of his mouth, the walls started to shake violently and began to tip over. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania told the walls, How can you interfere when Chachamim are in uh, dispute? So the walls stopped their descent, but they also remained standing on an incline, crooked. The walls were crooked because of the honor of Rabbi Rabbi uh, Eliezer ben Harkonnes. 
Oh, well. Anyways, finally, Rabbi Lezer said, so if the halacha agrees with me, let it be proven from heaven. Let it be proven from Shemayin. And a voice came out and said, yes, Rabbi Elazar Van Harkonnen is right. But, again, Rabbi the Chachamim and Rabbi Yeshua looked up and said, I'm sorry. Loi Bashamayim he. It's not in it's not in Shemayim. Tyra's not in Shemayim. Tyra's down here on earth. Tyra's right here on earth. We don't have to go far. Tyra's right here on earth. And Rabbi Yeshua was quoting in the Pasuk. Loi Bashamayim he. Where Moshe tells the Yidden that the Torah is not in Shemaim. It is not distant from people, but here on earth. And that's actually one of the reasons why it was given in the desert. One of the reasons why it was given in the Midbar. The Torah was given in the Midbar. It's because, one of the reasons, is because we should not look far for the Torah. The Torah is right in front of us. Right in front of our noses. Right in front of our uh, our face. That's where the Torah is. That's where the Torah is. Right in our uh, right in front of us. We shouldn't go looking far, but we should try, definitely try very hard, as Rabbi, Lachana, Rabbi Lazar Ben Harkonnes did. Well, the halacha went according to Rabbanim, and Rabbi Lazar was overruled. Now. Later on, Rav Nelson met Eliyohanavi and asked him, "What? What? What did Hashem think of all this time when, uh, when about the story with Rabbi Elazar ben Harkonnes?" Oh well, Eliyahu said, Hashem sort of laughed and said, "Netsuchani banai, my children have defeated me." Hashem was very happy that my children had defeated me. Now, this is a very incredible story. It it uh, illustrates. It says clearly how Hashem's intention in giving us the Torah was not to ha- have us obey it that we don't know. Instead, we are meant to ponder. We are meant to fight it out. We are meant to debate it. We are meant to fight it out. For example, many of the Talmud Chachamim found the Torah's death penalties quiet on on on. They don't uh, use it. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfin said they would never issue a death penalty at all. And ultimately, the death penalty was abolished from Yiddish courts. Similarly, the wars replaced with the debates in the base Madrashim. The sacrifices were replaced with Davani and the Torah system was placed with one completely equally, where no distinction is made between the greatest Rabbanim and the simplest yet. So, Kindlech, when you, uh, Kindlech, so when you, uh, want to learn, Rabbi Lazar ben Harkonnes, he tried so hard to learn. And look at him, he became such a tzaddik. And going down the path of the road, this little kid answered Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania about about a uh, which way to go, and the kid answered smartly, this way is the short way, but it's the long way, and of course, 
you know that's uh, we don't we are obviously not on the the tamide of the times level but we could get at least halfway if we try really hard we could we could uh try very hard and we can get at least halfway over there we can at least get all the almost all the way and where we uh, learned uh, later that uh, where Rabbi Shmuel was uh, crippled, was uh, hunchbacked, and people made fun of him, that didn't stop him. He continued. He continued on. He said, "Let me, uh, let me, uh, let them make fun of me. I'm still gonna continue. I'm still gonna continue. I'm still gonna continue my good things. I'm still gonna continue trying. I'm gonna still continue learning." Even though I look uh, not so nice. Even though I look like I'm ugly. As a matter of fact, there is one of the tzaddikim a long time ago that they saw an ugly person and asked, well, in your, is there anybody in your city as ugly as you? If I got the story wrong, please let me know because I do not have it in front of me. But I believe the, it said that you you uh anybody as ugly as you in your city and the person answered you know there's nobody as ugly but why complain to me why are you complaining to me and telling me this go over to my creator and tell him i'm ugly and kindleach if somebody makes fun of you if somebody's going to say to you, ha ha, look at him, he's shot. Or, ha ha, eh, look at him, he's fine, he looks like an old man. Yeah, if somebody's gonna tell you, if kids are gonna, if all the kids are gonna make fun of you, you could say, hey, listen, you know what? I was created like this. But if you want, if you wanna complain about me, if you wanna make fun of me, that's no problem. That's no problem. Make fun of me. Let's ask my uh, creator. As I believe Rabbi Margalit, Margalit, um, uh, he was crippled. And, you know, people made, people actually made fun of him. And they made fun of his stutter. And, you know, people actually later on came on to help, for help, him for help. And eventually his stutter stopped. And Kendallach, but this is because he didn't give up. He tried. He's tried. And look, he's he's written books uh, about himself. You can uh, read it. Uh, the Life of Aryeh uh, Margalit, I believe. Um, Yeah, and so even if a person stutters, there's no reason to make fun. That person could be a great person later on in life. And you're going to regret it. You're going to regret just like Lazar Ben Harkonnes. Harkonnes said out of anger, I'm disowning him. I'm not owning him anymore. I don't want to own him anymore. He left that there he. And Rabbi Lazar heard about it. He didn't say anything. He didn't care. He continued learning. He continued on. He said, no problem. Let it be like that. No problem. And he tried. And he did his best. And look where he brought himself. Look where he brought himself. He brought himself to a place. He brought himself into a 
Tyrodica level that he's be able to perform Nisim and the Floys. Wonders of wonders. Imagine be able to turn a wall crooked. Imagine to be able to turn a river going downward, going back upward. How are we going to turn a river back upward? We don't have no way unless we're going to dig a big hole. Unless we dig a big hole, you're not turning that river to go upward. But if you are going to try, and you're going to succeed if you try, don't give up hope. Always try. Never ever give up hope. And that's what we learned from tonight's stories. And, you know, Kindleach, we should all be uh, to uh, to a happy, uh, healthy week and a healthy Shabbos. This Shabbos is uh, Parshas. This Parsha is Parshas Vayetze. And Vayetze Yaakov. Vayetze Yaakov. He went out. He went out. He went He went to Choron. Uh, he went to Lovon. Lovon said a little bit about the Parsha we're going to talk about right now. Because I see I have 10 more minutes. About 10 to 13 more minutes. So I'm going to say something about the Parsha. Vayetze Yaakov. He went out. He went to Padamaran, and you know, Lavan says, "Ah, Amachaya, oh great, Yaakov, oh Yaakov, of course, one of our one of our brothers." And he invited Yaakov in, and he invited Yaakov in to the place. And of course, we know Lavan had no intention, no whatsoever, to give him any of his daughters. But okay, no problem. Meanwhile. When on the way to Lovan's house, Yaakov met. Yaakov met. Who did Yaakov meet? Yaakov met Rachel. Rachel. Rachel Imenu. Yaakov's future wife. So Yaakov went over to her and said, Who are you? Which is, uh, he asked her, Who are you? She said, Yeah, I'm the daughter of Lovan. And fine. And she gave her. She came, she you know, went to the house, and she asked her father. And the reason why she asked her father, she asked her father because her mother uh, wasn't alive anymore. She was uh, Yos- Yosemus. She She had no mother. So therefore, she's doing her next best thing. She wanted to ask her father. And Kindleach, as we know, Lavan, Lavan Harusha said, "No problem, no problem." Lavan Harusha said, We're, "We'll give it to you, Yaakov. We'll give you my daughter." Hmm. And of course, Lavan planned a great trick, <laughs> a terrific trick, just for Yaakov. Uh, of course, Yaakov tricked him back in a kosher way, not like Lavan did. But as we go, the story goes. Yaakov, Yaakov was working seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years, and seven years came to pass. And Yaakov said, "Okay, Lavan, give me what I asked for. Give me your daughter Rachel." And what did Lavan do? And of course, Rachel also actually gave the simonim. Yaakov knew Lavan was a trickster. Yaakov knew Lavan is going to make a trick on him. 
And he had a trick back. He had a remez, a sign. He made he made a certain thing secret with Rachel. And Rachel, in order to avoid embarrassment for her sister Leah, said to Leah the secret. And what ended up happening, Leah married Yaakov. And Rachel, fine, was very happy that she avoided embarrassment for her sister. And Yaakov, when she when he realized that he was tricked, he said, Hey, I was tricked. This is not Leia, but what can he do? He's not going to divorce her. Fine. And another seven years he worked there. Another seven years. Lava made him work. And eventually he got Rachel. He married Rachel. And uh, he got Shifchus. And Rachel didn't have a kid right away. Leah had been to have a kid because Hashem wanted to show Yaakov to love Leah. Which, uh, when we say a tzaddik hated something or tzaddik didn't like something, doesn't necessarily mean that tzaddik will uh, make fun or chas v'shalom hurt somebody. So, it's nothing like that. When uh, it, it means that, that it's just that uh, a little bit different between Racha and Leo, that Yaakov was treating her just a little, the slightly different, which you know Leo probably didn't even realize. But Leo had a kid, which made Yaakov like Leo more. Now Leo had the first kid, and Leo almost had all the kindleach, all the shvatim. And as you're gonna learn, maybe later on, if you learn the parsha, that Leia had almost all the children and said, what's gonna be? I'm gonna have all the kids. Nothing's gonna be left over for my sister. So we see, you see the on the amazingness of our our mothers. You see the amazing, right? Instead of being jealous. Instead of fighting with each other, instead of quarreling, instead of fighting with each other, the wives, Rachel, Leah, Rachel gave the secret over. Leah, Leah, Davin for the uh, Hashem that Rachel should have well, at least kids that uh, should be empowered to them, and that's exactly what happened. That uh, Rachel gave birth at the end, and in next week's parsha, we're going to learn. Since I'm not gonna, unfortunately, I'm not gonna be here next week due to the Gouda convention, and I'm hoping to enjoy it. Uh, maybe I'll even record from there. I don't know. It's up to uh, it's up to the place where I am right now and to the side. Um, but yeah, I I hope to enjoy it. And Kindleach, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Gouda Sichuan America, and I, where I'm gonna we're gonna uh, close up shop over here, as they say. Uh, God has control of America. We uh, we do many things. For example, there's a place where we find Tati's jobs. We find people who unnebuch. He can't, you know, they don't know how to find a job. They're not so advanced, and we help them out finding it. They help them out. God helps them out. There's another section that deals with helping yeshivas, helping the kid get into yeshiva. Which is another part of it. And there's another part that does government, which is also a part of it. And then there's another part called Perche. Now, Perche, Kindleach, is where kids 
come and they have a good time. Believe it or not, I I happen to be in a perche. I happen to be doing perche, perche Chaim Thank you, Yiddy Schwartz, for uh, letting me be there. You know, and uh, thank you, Dovid Osher Cat, for running the show. Um, but yeah, these uh, it's unbelievable. Perche Chaim Berlin is located on the Minnesota of Chaim Berlin building and Kindleh. For those who are listening, parents, if you send your kids there, I'm guaranteeing. Your children may at first not want to go, but yes, at the end, they're going to have such a great time. They're going to have great time by Perche. They're going to say, Tati, send me again next week. And they're going to want to come almost every week. Anyways, I'm going to ask my riddle again, because I see time is running out over here. And uh, Baruch Hashem, you know what, Kindleach? Time flies by when you're having fun. And I'm going to say that many times on the show, because... Time always flies by over here. I'm having so much fun, Kindleach, telling you stories, telling you such interesting things. Time just passes by. It's like it's like the clock doesn't exist. Kindleach, when you sit down and learn, when you stag away and get into it, believe it or not, the clock disappears before you know it. The day is over. And if you put yourself into it, the year will be over in a zippy and you'll be in day camp. Imagine that. Who doesn't want to be in day camp, right? So yeah, Kindleach, keep on steiging. Put your koiches into it. Put everything you have into this. Because if you do, you're going to be able to become Rabbi Lezav and Harkonnes. You're going to be able to be like Rabbi Yeshua Bechananiah. You're going to be able to be, be like these unbelievable Tanoim. You're going to be able to be like them. Not exactly like them in their power of uh, miracles of what they did. But you could uh, reach in our generation. Uh, well, I, I want to tell you that it's amazing that um, I'm very nice. And I, I just, you can do, well, I just get some text that something I'm wrong on, on the text in the, on the app. But, oh boy, I'm sorry okay. no, for no, that. No, 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 no. Okay. I just, uh, I'm just, and. Extremely static. I don't know. I'll, I'll try to check it. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, right, hopefully, okay. hopefully that's uh, we just. It might just be me talking on the yeah, mic. Yeah, I, okay, no, that's, no, no, no. But uh, I think. <laughs> but that, yeah, I think, sometimes I think... we do have technical issues, and Bar Hashem, you know, I don't. I, we don't complain. I'm not. Look, I don't complain. You know, something could go wrong. Sometimes stuff could go wrong with me. And you know what? There's a. Why should I complain? Everything is so wonderful. Shem created. You know, Shem created such a beautiful world. I'm looking. I look outside tonight. I'm gonna see snow. Unbelievable. It's beautiful. White. Shabbosdik. Like moon. It's unbelievable. Anyways, I'm gonna ask the parsha question again. Why did Hashem say to Lavan, "Don't say Ra or Toiv"? The answer will be given in two weeks. And if you know the answer, let me know. Like, tell your parents that you know the answer and email to me at nukishraniour at gmail.com. Anyways, sponsorship is always available. And you can email me at nukishraniour, N-E-W-K-I-S-H-R-O-N-I-H-O-U-R at gmail.com. Or you can, if you want to advertise where many thousands of listeners, when you want to have a good parnosa. Make a good Parnosa. Advertise right here on J Radio. There's no better place to advertise. 
I want to watch, just to add about, uh, we got uh, some text about the J-Root radio, uh, the Naki radio, and uh, I really, uh, I wish we could drop the price, but it's not ours. As we said in the beginning, it's not ours. It's some private investor that basically decided, love the radio, love all the Jewish kosher radio, and decided to put a lot of money. And this is, and, and the machine itself, the, 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 you know, is so, so Amazingly, you know, everyone that has this machine, it's yes. Like, and if you want to see a, the Naki radio, I'm going to show it right no, now. But, no, no, but not only the C, <laughs> but the Erit, the Erit is the, the quality is amazing. I'm telling you, everyone, right? That as I said, it, I did get a lot of feedback, so yeah, a lot of feedback. I, People I, gave me a lot of feedback. And on it's the, really, I think that it's really the best uh, uh, Hanukkah present to yeah. the grandmother, to the, from the grandmother to the and I believe it's on sale, right? Yes, right now on sale. sale. Unbelievable. Because, uh, what could was, be better? Price was a nice Hanukkah gift. One Zadies, buy your children who are fathers. Buy, yeah, uh, yes, and uh, you you uh, can can buy to you to your grandma. To your grand, yeah, grandma, yeah, and grandma can buy to Zadies to listen to it. Yes, unbelievable sherm. Uh, Anyways, and you know, I want to tell you, we add this week. Yeah. We add another three channels. Like uh, we did uh, okay. the Itzy Herbs, uh channel. We did so many, and uh, we just going to. To check now what another another text that I got um, about the static, I just uh, let I, I'm going to check it right now. But uh, hopefully that's oh, it. the okay. internet also. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let let okay, me check. Okay. Anyways, well, this has been the Kishoni Hour. Uh. Yes. I won't be here next week, but, uh, but I'm sure Nisim has the great stuff in mind. 